Welcome to this edition of the Voice of Victory radio broadcast. Victory Baptist Church is an exciting, friendly, growing, independent Baptist church located in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina. You are about to hear a Bible message from Pastor Jeremy Coburnett that was preached to the congregation of Victory Baptist Church. We trust that you will be blessed as you listen to the preaching of God's Word. I'm going to preach a message this morning. We're starting our series on joy for the journey. And I'm thankful the Christian life is a wonderful, it's a joyful life. My message this morning is a little bit more somber. It's a little more serious, and you'll, you'll know why as we get into it. But as a pastor, we'll see in Hebrews 13, I have some responsibilities. You say, oh, it must be nice being the pastor. You get to be in charge. Um, no, it's not nice. It's not wonderful. With the privilege and with the uh, opportunities that God's given me to preach and to pastor and to lead, there comes some very great responsibility. You know that uh, in your place of work. The more, uh, the more you have to be responsible for, the more problems come, the more burdens come. I think when I first started pastoring and uh, first got in the ministry, I think I used, to, I used to lose some sleep. Not a lot, but I would lose sleep if maybe somebody would leave the church or somebody would get mad. Um, I don't lose a lot of sleep over that, and here's why. Because God's going to take care of all that. And you know, a lot of it works itself out. Um, it all comes out in the wash, and just, just love people and just love God, trust God, it'll be okay. Uh, one reason I don't lose a lot of sleep over it is sometimes the people that leave the church, they get to the next place and they're not there long either and they leave that one and it's just, you're just not going to change some people and let the Lord take care of it. I don't lose a lot of sleep over that. You say, well, pastor, I'm mad at you and well, you know, get in line and join the crowd. There's a lot of people mad at me, I'm sure, and I'm not going to lose a lot of sleep over that. However, this is a subject that I do lose sleep over. Because the Bible says in Hebrews 13, the Bible says that we are to obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your, what's the next word? For they watch for your what? They, Hebrews 13, 17. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your, what's the word? souls your bank account the house you live in the car you drive the job you have uh, th those things that doesn't really matter but what does matter is your soul what does matter and what I am going to give an account for someday the Bible says they watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with what's the next word joy when I stand before God, I will give an account for Victory Baptist Church. I will give an account for the people that I've preached to. I'll give an account for the people that have listened by way of the internet. I'll give an account for those who've listened by way of radio. I'll give an account for those I've preached funerals and people have heard there. I will stand before God and I will give an account for your soul because I'm responsible. I'm responsible before God. Now, I can't save you. I can't twist your arm enough. I can't talk you into salvation. But I'll tell you this. I can warn you, and I can tell you the truth, and I can tell you the fact is that you will spend forever 
somewhere. And according to the word of God, that somewhere will either be heaven or it will be a place called hell. You say, well, I don't agree with that. Well, you can, you can be wrong if you want to. I'm not telling you Baptist doctrine. I'm not telling you Jeremy Coburnat philosophy. I'm telling you what the Bible says. And Jesus preached and he warned that there is a place called hell, but he also told us there is a place called heaven. The Bible says in Mark 8, verse number 36 and verse 37, it says, for what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but he loses his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? You see, I don't care if you have more money than Steve Jobs. I don't care if you have more money than Bill Gates. I don't care if you have more money than the richest uh, CEOs and executives in the world. That doesn't matter. That will not make any difference when you die, when you breathe your last breath, because you'll go to heaven or you're, you'll go to hell, and it doesn't matter the money. What matters is what you did with Jesus. You see, your soul will live somewhere. Genesis 2, 7, the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. You see, someday this body, this body will die, but my soul will live forever. And by the way, at the rapture, at the resurrection, body and soul will be reunited. It won't be this old corruptible body. It won't be a body that feels pain and a body that knows age and a body uh, that gets sick. It will be a glorified body, but I will spend forever somewhere. For people that do not know the Lord, they will spend forever, not in a place called heaven, not with a glorified body, not on streets of gold, but they'll spend forever in the flames of hell, in a place that the Bible calls the lake of fire. The Bible says in 1 Peter 1, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. James 1.21, the word of God, which is able to save your soul. You see, we have a book. We have the truth of the word of God that is able to do more than give you a better life. It's more than just giving you some tips to a better you. This book right here has the ability to save your soul from hell and give you a home in heaven. Hebrews chapter 10, the Bible says, but we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of your soul. That's the secret right there. Salvation is not in works. Salvation is not in do. Salvation is in believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. 2 Corinthians tells us that we are to examine ourselves whether we be in the faith. You see, I cannot answer the question for you. I cannot tell you if you're saved or if you're not saved. Your spouse can't answer that question. Your parents cannot answer that question for you. That is a question between you and the Lord. But that's a question that you want to answer now and you want to get settled now before it's too late. You see, the Bible tells us that we will stand before God someday and the unsaved will stand before God and the books will be opened. And another book is open, the Bible says, which is the book of life. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. You see, there's a book in heaven and it's got names recorded of those who've been washed by the blood of the Lamb and they're recorded in the Lamb's book of life. And if your name is in that book, can I tell you, you're saved. If your name is not in that book, you are not saved. 
you are lost. As a pastor, it's my responsibility to watch for your soul. I don't lose sleep over a lot of things, but there is one thing that I do lose, lose sleep over, and it's to think that someday we will find that people sat in the pews of Victory Baptist Church and people heard the gospel and people heard the warning and people heard the preaching, but they never got saved. It, it would be so tragic. It would be so awful. It would be so terrible to think that somebody heard the gospel and somebody sat in these pews and somebody listened to the plan of salvation. So simple, but they never did anything with it. You see, that will happen. Because in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said that there will be those who will come and they will say, Lord, did not we prophesy in thy name? And in thy name we did many mighty works. But Jesus will say in that day, depart from me, I never knew you. You say, how is that possible? Those were religious people. You know they were religious people because those were people who were preaching. Those were people who were doing good works for God and they were trying to serve God, but they were counting on their works to get them to heaven. I've got news for you. That's blasphemy. Because if works could get you to heaven, why did Jesus have to die on a cross? If works could get you to heaven, then Jesus is a phony. And Jesus is a fraud and Jesus is a liar because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. He is the only way. So when you die, you'll spend forever somewhere because of sin. We cannot go to heaven. We have been condemned or sentenced already to a place called hell. But the good news is Jesus Christ stepped in. And Jesus Christ paid the price for your sin and for my sin, so we don't have to pay it on our own. We can have eternal life in heaven through the blood that was shed on Calvary. I'm glad to tell you this morning, you don't have to go to hell. I don't have to go to hell. I have a home in heaven. You can have a home in heaven, but you and I must examine ourselves. This morning is the time to decide and to determine and to figure out for yourself whether or not you're saved. Lord, help us as we look at your word. I need your strength and I need your power. I pray that you'd help me to preach with clarity and boldness and power. And Lord, I pray that you'd help me to convey to these folks the broken heart that I have for our area, the broken heart I have for this community, Lord, to think that there will be people within the sound of my voice or people within the shadow of our steeple or people within uh, the, the, the uh, zip code that we live in that will die and go to hell and they don't have to go to hell. They can have eternal life if they will just call upon the name of the Lord for salvation. Lord, if there's some here, some here this morning that maybe they're doubting or maybe they're struggling or maybe they don't even know if they're saved, I pray they'd get it settled today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Quickly, I want to say by way of introduction, in a lengthy introduction, and you say, well, Pastor, what was that you just preached? That was the introduction to the introduction. But let me give you quickly the introduction. I want to make it very clear this morning. I, I think you can tell already by the tone and by the, the direction we're going. I don't want there to be any question in anybody's mind whether or not you're saved. I want you to know what the Bible says. I want to be very clear what salvation is. 
I want to say, first of all, you are not saved by joining the church. That has absolutely nothing to do with going to heaven. Now, you can't join the church unless you've been saved. But you don't get saved because you join a church. You say, well, what do you mean? Isn't going to church important? It's absolutely important. It's so important. I've given my life to the church and I, I, I'm in church and I'm preaching and I'm visiting and I'm talking to people and I'm sending letters and I'm passing my invitations. I believe in church, but church doesn't get you to heaven. You see, there was a man by the name of Judas Iscariot. He walked with Jesus. He saw the miracles of Jesus. He witnessed all that Jesus did. He heard all the teachings of Jesus and Judas Iscariot, when he died, he went straight to hell. And he didn't go to hell because he committed suicide. He went to hell because he never placed his faith and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. I don't know if Judas thought he was going to heaven because he was the treasurer. I don't know if he thought he was okay because he was close to Jesus. I don't know what happened. But I'll tell you this, being a church member doesn't get you to heaven. Attending church, and I'm all for attending church. I think you ought to be in church Sunday morning and Sunday school and Sunday night and Wednesday night and revival meetings and missions conference. I just think you ought to be here when the doors are open. But going to church, you could live at the church. You could camp out at the church. You could have a pew with your name on it, but going to church isn't going to get you to heaven. Going to church has nothing to do with being saved. Going to church is something we do because we are saved, but it's not we got saved because we went to church. You're not saved because you got baptized. I'm so proud of Nadia who got baptized this morning. That just blessed my heart. This young lady been saved, and Wednesday night in the service, she said, I need to get baptized. Hallelujah, glory to God. But Nadia, I told her before she got baptized, I said, you're not getting saved this morning when you get dunked in that tank. Baptism has nothing to do with it. You see, there was a man who hung on a cross next to Jesus, and he cried out to Jesus, and he cried out for mercy. And Jesus said to that thief on the cross, he said, this day thou shalt be with me in paradise. He couldn't get off a cross. He couldn't go to a baptistry. He couldn't go to the lake. He couldn't go to a pond. He couldn't go to a river. He had no chance of getting baptized, but he's in heaven today, not because of baptism, but because of believing and trusting in Jesus Christ. Now, hang on. You will not believe that you're going to hear this from my mouth. This is a Baptist preacher talking. A Baptist preacher who has an offering at every service and usually multiple offerings at services. But you will not get saved by giving money to the church. I don't care if you said, Pastor, I got a million dollars. I'll give it to the church right now. Will this get me to heaven? I'll say, no, it won't get you to heaven. We'll take it, but it won't get you to heaven. Because you can't buy salvation. We already read the verse, Mark 8. You could gain the whole world. You could own it all. And all of that money and all of those houses and all of that gold and all that wealth and all those possessions would never get you to heaven. You see, you can't buy salvation. You can't pay for salvation because it costs too much. The only price that could be paid for salvation was the precious, sinless, spotless blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross. And that blood that was shed on the cross and that blood that was applied to the mercy seat in heaven, that is the only thing that would satisfy the demands of a holy God and that could pay the price for your soul. You're not saved by giving money to the church, although I think Christians ought to tithe 
and I think Christians ought to give, and I don't think we ought to give because we have to. I think we ought to give because we get to it, because God has blessed us, but giving won't get you to heaven. You're not saved because your parents are Christians. Say, but pastor, my parents, they were Sunday school teachers. Wonderful. You ought to thank God for it, but that doesn't get you to heaven. Say, my grandparents helped to start a church, or my aunt or my uncle, they were missionaries, or, or my cousins, they were this, or my kids were... It doesn't matter what your family's done. You won't get to heaven on the coattails of mommy and daddy. You'll go to heaven because you make the decision for yourself to trust Jesus Christ for yourself, for your salvation. You're not saved because you're a good person. You're not saved because you do a lot of good things. You're not saved because you're voted citizen of the year. You're, you're saved not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, Titus 3, 5. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You see, if you could get to heaven by being a good person, you could brag. You could walk around and... You could impress people and you could tell everybody about how good you are and how great you are. I want to tell you how your testimony ought to start. I was a sinner. I was lost. I was on my way to hell. No hope. Nothing I could do. No way that I could ever get to heaven. But let me tell you what Jesus did for me. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. I'm thankful we're not saved by works, but I'll tell you how you do get saved. You realize that you're lost, and you realize that you're on your way to hell, and there's nothing you can do to save yourself. We tell our soul winners this, and we, we remind people as we talk to people about, about the Lord, is that you don't add Jesus to your life. Jesus is not an add-on. Say, well, I've been going to church, and I've been being a good person, and okay, I'll pray this prayer, and I'll add Jesus on. Oh, no, it's not Jesus plus works. It's not Jesus minus something. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. He's the only one that can save you. You're saved by realizing that you're lost and realizing you need Jesus. You're saved by realizing that Jesus loved you so much that he died on the cross to pay for your sins so you wouldn't have to pay for them on your own. So, well, Pastor, I thought you said we couldn't pay for our sins. I thought you said we couldn't pay the price for our sins. You're right, you can't. But you'd spend eternity in hell trying because the wages, the payment for sin is death. But I'm glad to tell you the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You're saved, and I'm saved by placing our faith and our trust in Jesus and Him alone. So, here's my question. This is between me and you and the Lord, and I'm asking this question to the whole congregation, but I'd like for you to imagine that we're sitting one-on-one -on -one in my office, or we're sitting one-on-one -on -one in your living room. Here's my question. Are you saved? Are you saved? Could you tell me a time you say, well, I don't remember the exact time. Well, maybe you don't remember the ex exact time, but there was a time. If you're saved, there was a time you got saved. Salvation's not a process. Salvation is not, well, yeah, over these last six months, I've kind of come to, oh, no, 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 no. Salvation in the Bible is likened to a birth. Now, when my wife gave birth to our twins, Lacey and Savannah, yes, she was expecting with those twins for about eight months, not all eight and a half months. She was expecting, and she was in labor, and there was some time. But those twins were born, and there's a date, 
and there's a time that was an event that they were born. And Jesus said that unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. There must be a time when you've been born into the family of God. There must be a time that you've been born again. The Bible likens it to a gift. You see, a gift, you either have it or you don't have it. You either receive it or you reject it. But if a gift is still sitting on the table, it's not doing you any good. You've got to take it. You've got to accept it. But are you saved? Do you know that you're saved? What would you tell someone if they asked you? They said, hey, brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so or Mr. so-and-so or Mrs. so-and-so, are you saved? What would you tell them? If your answer is, I'm not sure. I think so. I hope so. That's not a good answer. You say, Pastor, you're making us feel uncomfortable. Good. I want you to be uncomfortable now because when you stand before the great white throne judgment, it'll be too late then. There'll be nothing else you can do when you breathe your last breath, your time to get saved. It's over. There's no such thing as purgatory. There's no such thing as limbo. There's no such thing as praying somebody into heaven. There's no such thing as reincarnation. When you die, it's appointed unto man once to die. And after this, the judgment. It's as simple as that. So are you saved? Do you have assurance of your salvation? I think there are some people who have been saved, but they have doubts. They have uncertainties. They're not sure. And can I tell you where a lot of those doubts come from? A lot of those doubts come when people get backslidden. And a lot of those doubts come from Satan. Satan wants to jump on your shoulder and say, oh, you're not saved. Oh, if those people knew what you were like, and oh, if those people knew what you did, and oh, if those people... Can I tell you what you need to tell Satan? You need to tell him to go back where he came from because he's a liar and he's a deceiver and he wants you to doubt your salvation because he does not want you to have that right there. He doesn't want you to have joy and he knows you'll never have joy in the Christian life until you get the confidence and the assurance that you know that you know that you're saved. 1 John 5, the Bible says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life. Salvation's not a guessing game. Salvation's not, I'm going to flip a coin. Salvation is not, well, I hope so. Salvation is something that you can know. And if you're here this morning, or you're listening this morning, and you do not know for sure you're saved, you can know. You can have it for sure, 100%, that you're on your way to heaven. You say, but pastor, what if I get saved? And what if I don't live up to it? Well, I got news for you. You don't get saved by works, and you don't stay saved by works. When you get saved, you are in the hand of God. John 10, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. When you get saved, you're saved. It is eternal. It is everlasting. You are secure. You are safe. You cannot lose it. You may have doubts. You may have concerns. But I want to tell you, with the confidence of the Word of God and on the authority of the Bible, once you get saved, you are saved forever. So are you saved? That's my question. When did you get saved? 
You may not remember the exact date, although I think if you remember it, I think you ought to write it down. I think you ought to tell people. Uh, we all have a, a date of birth, and you ought to have a spiritual birth date. Some people suffer from memory loss, or some people from dementia, or maybe it didn't get written down. Don't let that be a reason that you doubt your salvation. But there ought to have been a time that you got saved. Where were you when you got saved? Were you at home? Were you at the church? Were you out on the porch? Were you at a, 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 a revival meeting? Were you at a teen camp? Were you in a Sunday school classroom? Where were you when you got saved? I was born in Santa Clara, California. Kaiser Hospital. That was the place where I was born. Not everybody's born in a hospital. Some people are born at home. And some people are born in the car. And some people are born in other places. But that was the place where I was born. Where were you born again? I was born again in Rockford, Illinois. 229 Victory Street. My dad led me to the Lord. We knelt beside the bed in my parents' bedroom. I remember praying. I remember calling on the Lord and asking him to save me. I remember going up the stairs. It was a split-level house. The bedrooms were actually downstairs. I went up the stairs to the front living room. My mom was in the living room. She was watching the evening news. She didn't care about the evening news, but she had to watch the weather. Every night, she had to make sure she saw the weather, and that was before the Weather Channel. That was before the convenience of the weather app. You had to catch it every night on the nightly news. She was watching the news, and I told her what I had done. And can I tell you, there was a place. So where were you saved? When were you saved? Are you saved? Are you sure you're saved? You're going to have to answer those questions. I can't answer them for you. A friend or a relative cannot answer those questions for you. You must answer the question for yourself. Is your name in the Lamb's Book of Life? Here's my next question. If you're not saved, when are you going to get saved? So, so when are you going to get saved? Or maybe you've got some doubts and you say, I've just been having these doubts. Well, when are you going to get those doubts settled? Some, some people, they, they hold it and they, they, they keep it in for years and years and years and they never experience victory and joy because they have doubts and they never deal with those doubts. When are you going to get saved? I've told the story before, but of course, this, you won't find this in the Bible. This is hypothetical. But the story is told of Satan and his demons gathering together. They were plotting and they were planning on how they could keep people from getting saved. And by the way, that's Satan's desire right now. If you're here, you're listening, and you're not saved, Satan's going to do everything he can to keep you from getting saved. He's going to do everything in his power to distract you, to get you to put it off, to get your mind off of it. Satan does not want you to get saved. He hates you. He's already, he knows where he's going to spend eternity. He knows he's going to be in the lake of fire, and he wants you to go with him. He is your enemy. He is walking about seeking whom he may devour. He wants to lie to you. He wants to destroy you. And Satan wants to send people to hell. That's his mission. So Satan and his demons were gathered together and they said, we've got to figure out a plan. How can we keep people from getting saved? One of the demons spoke up and said, let's tell them that the Bible is a lie. Satan said, that'll never work. There's so many prophecies that have been proven. There's so many prophecies fulfilled and the Bible, uh, it is accurate and it is infallible. And they said, that'll never work. And by the way, even Satan knows the Bible's true. Even the devils believe and tremble. One of the demons spoke up and said, well, how about if we tell them that Jesus is a myth? How about if we tell them that Jesus never existed? Satan said that'll never work. Said it's proven in history. 
It's not only proven that Jesus existed, but it's proven that Jesus died and was buried and he rose again. And as a matter of fact, there were 500 witnesses that saw him after the resurrection, before the ascension, and Satan said, that'll never work. They went through a few other ideas and none of the, the demons had an idea that really, that really clicked with Satan. And Satan finally said, does anybody else have any idea how to keep people from getting saved? One of the demons spoke up from the back and said, let's tell them to get saved. And immediately some of the other demons said, what are you talking about? Are you crazy? Have you lost your mind? That's what we're trying to avoid. And the demon said, no, let me finish. He said, let's tell people to get saved later. Tell them to get saved, but just not today. Tell them to get saved just not this Sunday. Just not this service. There's always going to be tomorrow. There's always next week. There's always going to be a better time. I got news for you. That's a lie from the pits of hell. Because you and I are not guaranteed we have tomorrow. We're not guaranteed we'll have another service. We're not guaranteed we're going to make it back tonight. But God's given you this opportunity. The Bible tells us that salvation is a gift. It's free. There's nothing that you can do to earn salvation. There's nothing that you or I can do to pay for salvation. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9, for by grace are ye saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God not of works, lest any man should boast. You cannot get to heaven by being a good person. You cannot get to heaven by being a church member. You cannot get to heaven by being baptized. All of these would classify as good works. Now, it's good to be a good person. It's great to be a church member. It's wonderful to be baptized. But those do not get a person to heaven. If you could get to heaven by being a good person, then why would Jesus have to die on the cross? Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I would encourage you today to accept the gift of eternal life. I would challenge you to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. For more information about this important subject, please give us a call at 252-537-5973 or write us a letter addressed to 2360 Bowling Road in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina. We'd like to thank you for tuning in to the Voice of Victory radio broadcast. We hope that these messages are a help to you in your spiritual life. We are located at 2360 Bowling Road in Roanoke Rapids. Our Sunday school classes begin at 10 a.m. Sunday morning service is at 11 a.m. Sunday evening service is at 6 p.m. Or Wednesday evening prayer meeting and Bible study begins at 7 p.m. If you have any questions, please contact us at 252-537-5973. You can also visit us online at vbcrr.org.
Please tune in again next week at this same time. And on behalf of everyone at Victory Baptist Church, God bless you. And thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Voice of Victory radio broadcast.